HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit firesider.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from a British pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, every Tuesday on the Heritage Radio Network from roughly 12-ish, a little late today, 12-12, is a nice number though, to roughly, I don't know, like 12-45, 12-50, depending on when we get We only out. start the show on nice numbers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we should start at 8, and then we can always have it start at 8.08, we can have a sweet, the sweet. Cowbell? No, that's boom. a. I like the boom. The kick, yeah, of course. Yeah. But that's 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 so mainstream. though, like the eight hundred eight bass. The cowbell is the unsung. Uh, oh, you you you. <laughs> that's you a have, great point, Peter. You, well, no, Peter has betrayed his face. his oldness. Yeah. I would say that the average young person has no idea what an eight hundred eight is. Doesn't remember who the Beastie Boys were when they started name checking the eight hundred eight or anything about. Oh, it. you're wrong. The eight hundred eight has had a, a good uh, re- renaissance and resurgence. Well, nothing sounds quite like an eight hundred eight. Can we hear that? Do you have it? Can I, I can pull up an eight hundred eight. Yeah, give me a second here. We'll make it happen. What's Stas laughing at? This guy is enamored with Dave. Nah, not yeah, even. Yeah, he can't take his eyes off you. That's because I'm a freak. He's so... Well, how would you describe it, Peter? Oh. All right, so listen. Oh, this is your thing. This is just the, yeah. an, 808, yeah, an 808 beat we're going to play. That's, Let's hear yeah. 808. Let's see. Make no mistake. Well, this is what happens when you pull up YouTube. You never know. Oh, there's the... Oh. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah! See, like that's that's like that's okay. like the eighties eight oh eight. That's like Run DMC style eight oh eight. Yeah, exactly. Oh, too bad Dave can't yeah. rap over this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, apparently Peter Kim from the Museum of Food and Drink, who's here with us again today, uh, used to do freestyling. Yep. Known rapper, but known liar. Right? Oh wow! Ouch! Was that your rap name, Known Liar? Known Liar, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow! Damn! Wow! Stas. You know, Peter, right, Peter called just... me at 9.50 p.m. on Monday. Yeah. Being yesterday? Do you know why that's important? No, why is that important? It's bachelor season. Do you know oh. what happens oh, at yeah. 9.50? A rose wow. ceremony. Yeah. Well, I think you can I hear that Nastasia Hammer-Lopez is with us today, as usual, with her love of The Bachelor, which is... New season. Is The Bachelor as bad for America as The Jerry Springer Show? I don't think so. 
No, no, no I don't think And so. joined, as usual, in the engineering booth with Jack, Jackie Molecules Inslee. What do you think, Jack? Um, I, I, have to, I have to say something. Somebody just tweeted at us, like, 15 minutes ago, and uh, they sent me this. They said, this is for Jackie Molecules, and I have to play it. It's 10 seconds long. Ready? The Molecular Man! Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. Wow. What yeah. is that? It's a Conan O'Brien sketch, mm. The Molecular Man. It's got the same voice as uh, Will Ferrell from um, Megamind. Remember that movie? No, I've never seen it. Are oh, you people? Get some kids. Get yeah, some well, freaking kids. Not yet. All right. Uh, wait, so what, what the hell were we talking about? 808s. Peter's yes. rapping. Peter's rapping. 808s, heartbreaks. Oh, see, now he's starting his freestyle career again. <laughs> no, it's know. a Kanye Jesus. West reference. Oh, really? Come on. Come on! I, wait, is, must, is it more recent, Kanye? Not so recent. I mean, is it after maybe you stopped like, being good? Circa two thousand eight, nine. It's a while ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a while ago, man. Uh, whatever. Peter Kim does not care about Kanye West. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, dear Dave, Nastasia, and Jack. And actually, Peter had a uh, Peter had a uh, comment on this earlier. This is last week's question. Cooks Illustrated recently ran an equipment test on carbon steel pans and concluded that they were a better choice than cast iron for home cooks. But none of the chefs I read and listen to have ever mentioned carbon steel skillets. You and Kenji Lopez-Alt both seem enamored with your cast iron. I'm enamored strong. I mean, you know, like, you know, if there was a fire, first of all, the cast iron would survive, but I would save my family first. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Never mind. Don't get me started on Parmigiano-Reggiano. I was about to go into a Parmigiano-Reggiano rant for my honeymoon, but I won't do it. Uh, I won't do it. Uh, It won't happen. Stas is shaking her head right now. No, Just narrating. don't do it. You like the Parmigiano. You love your wife. That's what the guy said to me because I couldn't know how an Italian to say that, you know, I was like, I love the Parmigiano-Reggiano. Whatever. We got a lot of free hats and Parmesan knives. Anyway, uh, can you comment? Uh, flush with cash from Christmas. I am trying to decide whether whether to buy a large cast iron pan or the carbon steel pan Cooks Illustrated recommends from Motfer. Uh, Motfer Bourgeois. You want to pronounce that with your fake French uh, accent? Uh, Do it Cameroonian French. <laughs> I guess it would be... What? What you veux une poêle Motfer Bourgeois? Yeah, nice, strong. Peter Kim, of course, lived in Cameroon. Well, I lived in Peter. Cameroon, guys, yeah, yeah. for two and a half years. Known liar. So, Known liar. Yeah. Uh, wow. This one is currently <laughs> sold out because of the demand generated by their review. Please advise uh, Alex. So here's the here's my issue, here's my point on the deal dealio. Uh, current, no offense to the Lodge folks, because didn't we meet them once or something like that? I wish that Lodge would come out with a set of cast iron. Um, a set of cast iron pans that had the uh, inside sanded so that it was smooth, like the old school polished cast iron, because those suckers are uh, awesome. But um, in my opinion, uh, trying to compare the two, uh, trying to compare the two styles of pans, cast iron versus uh, black steel, is kind of like missing the the point. It's like not. Like I wouldn't use them for the same for the same things. I think like the comparison, which I think also Cooks Illustrated makes, is between the uh, black steel pan, as I always call it, and the um, in a regular nonstick uh, nonstick uh, skillet, right? And so, you know, I think they're good. I think they're they're very good. They, they cast iron and and the black steel are both uh, steel. 
right? I mean, not steel. They're iron fundamentally, but they, the, the, the surface of them both form nonstick uh, finishes in exactly the same way. No. So in, in the same way that a wok, which is in essence a black steel pan, right? In the same way that a wok becomes nonstick over time uh, as it's seasoned, uh, so will uh, black steel. What? They're staring at me in a very strange way. See, okay, I have to go on a tangent. I'm sorry, Alex, for not answering your question in in total before I go off on this tangent. But Peter Kim cannot... Uh, like uh, sit in in an auditorium or in front of a group of people and have Nastasia and I near him making faces at him because he just breaks up. He's like freaking. Uh, he's like one of those Saturday Night Live characters that like can't not laugh during well, look, a freaking. Uh, so he's trying to do something like that, but it's not even phasing me. You don't understand that like my whole family is partially autistic, so I cannot be phased. I'm unfatable. You know what I mean? Looks Faisable. like you're getting a little faded right now, oh, no, Dave. No, I just shot Nastasia. One quick knowing glance had nothing to do with we you. We have a caller that's and, been really uh, patient on the line, FYI. All right, caller. Call, okay, okay, okay. We'll take the caller and then we'll finish the black iron. <laughs> anyway, caller, you're on the air. Hi, Dave. Andrew from Pittsburgh here. How you doing? I'm um, doing well. How are you? Good. You know who I found out lives in Pittsburgh? You know who Betty Davis is, the, uh, the musician from the 70s? Yep. Yeah, she lives in Pittsburgh, I think. I think after she really? dropped out of the music business, she just like was like, crap on it. I'm moving. I think that's where she lives, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was named the top food city by Zagat, I believe, recently. O- over in New York? Yeah. Really? What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of really cool restaurants and stuff in Pittsburgh. I don't know. It's definitely not better than New York. I mean, New York is the food capital of the world, but <laughs> I mean, it's pretty awesome. Thank you for just crushing the Zagat on your own. I like that a lot. All right, so where are we going? What do we got? Uh, the question that I had relates to frozen margaritas out of the kind of a frozen margarita slushy machine. Yep. Um, all the mixes for those are garbage, and I'm trying to figure out how to make uh, a delicious frozen margarita um, while having something that you can bash and have. And I, I'm sorry, I'm a bartender, and so having something you can bash and have around for a while because limes go bad so quickly, even though they're very delicious. How do you make a um, frozen margarita mix that you excuse me that you can hold? for some period of time to be realistic to serve in a restaurant. How long? First of all, I like the use of garbage. You're exactly right. They're a garbage. We should have a garbage noise, Jack, as part of our New Year's thing. Just garbage. A garbage sound effect? Like garbage. They're like, you know, the margarita mix is garbage. Like, it should just be like, you know what I mean? Anyway. I mean, you could do... Like a Tourette's no, garbage. garbage. No, he wants... I know, yeah. something better. Garbage. I'll work on it. Anyway, like so, a Sega guy, but garbage. Garbage. Anyway, but like, uh, so how long do you need it to last? Uh, I mean, not super, super long, but several days you don't have to kind of sit there and babysit it all the time i mean probably no longer than three or four days but um something you wouldn't really need to worry about the thing that i'm kind of chasing down right now is just doing the lime acid that you do with citric malic and cystic acid and then you do water triple sec tequila uh agave a little bit of salt and then do like a lime acid uh kind of mix for that to get you the lime taste um what do you think about that versus Doing straight lime. I mean, obviously, I would prefer to do lime, but yeah. how do you? Uh, I mean, here's the here's the issue, right? I mean, lime uh, lime changes. Obviously, the good right. news about frozen specs is frozen specs typically have less because they're more diluted, um, and because the, you know just because of their structure, they typically have less lime in them than let's say a uh, shaken margarita would, right? And so right. The, the less lime, actual lime, is in there, the, the less of the detrimental nonsense you're going to have based on uh, lime degradation. 
right? Th- that said, you know, it's 100% going to be noticeable. So here's the other problem you're going to have is that if you make a batch on day one and let's say you're going to keep it for three days, the batch will taste fairly the same on day two as it does on day three, but it's not going to taste the same as it does on day one. And so, you know, one thing you could do is you're going to say, okay, listen, like I'm just going to balance these all these drinks around uh, like one and two day old lime juice, right? Because then right. probably the difference between two and three is not going to be that big big of a deal either. So if you just keep some lime juice around uh, and then run some uh, batch tests on uh, like doing your ba- doing your initial batch with day old lime juice and get it to taste right. where you want, and then you could put just the amount in that you uh, that you desire. Another thing you could do, it's, it's not going to taste like a margarita. It's going to taste uh, different is to base your specs around a uh, cordial, right? Cordial lasts right. forever, right? So right. then you take your lime juice and heat it uh, with sugar and do your, you know, do your batching around that. And it won't be the same because it's going to lack some of that the uh, brightness, right? But you could pop, right. you could pop back in. Um, you could pop back in some of that brightness from uh, fresh lime. Here's another thing you can do. You can use regular lime, right, to give some of that liminess and then use a uh, orange with lime acid added to it and that'll give – because the orange, sour – you know, like uh, acid-adjusted orange juice keeps its brightness longer than, um, than lime does, right? So you could do a mix with acid-adjusted OJ, right, if you only have a little bit of lime in there. Uh, and orange is a flavor in, uh, in margaritas anyway, right. right? So you could do something like that, and then you, know, you wouldn't have as much of the um, day two, day three blues with the margaritas as – in fact, I've done margarita-style specs that ha- are entirely done with acid-adjusted OJ just so that I don't have to deal with uh, lime juice going bad. Yeah. Right. How do you deal with the um, the orange juice becoming bitter? I was looking into the, the kind of actual chemistry of that a while ago. The I'm totally spacing all the names. I'm right. Sure yeah. It's, it's totally dependent on the genetics of the particular orange you use. So okay. um, you know, as long as you know, you run a test like you run a test, you juice it, and you see whether or not it goes bitter. It happens within like several hours, right? So like some right. some tangerines are like get incredibly bitter. And, uh, you know, some uh, don't. I mean, the, the real problem from a bar perspective is that we're getting navels in, right? I mean, at least if you're like me, right. you're getting navels in because you're using the peel. And you're right. not and you're not going to get crappy looking, you know, okay, listen, everyone knows California citrus looks good and Florida citrus looks terrible, even though Florida citrus is typically the one used for juices because they don't care about peels, right? So you're right. not, you're not going to get Florida... And it's just it's just a question of climate. I'm not saying that the Floridians are bad people and they can't grow good citrus. It's just the climate of ugly, I mean. You know, so that the so you know, you you're not gonna wanna pull in like a bunch of Valencias so that you can get like the juice you want and then have to still throw away the juice from your navel. So like we're very lucky the navels that we get don't go bitter. Uh, and you know it's just a test we've run. But then you know someday some knucklehead might decide to switch the supplier, get a different kind of navel in, and who knows we'll get hosed. Because I have read that some navels will get bitter, although I know ours don't. That's all. Right. I can, that's I mean that's basically all I can say about that. But you're definitely going to want your oranges to do double duty. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean I, I hate throwing all those away. You know whenever you're talking about that, look always I love finding ways to repurpose things where 
get that. Oh yeah, and um, so like if you can use them in margaritas, right? So if you have a mach- if you have a machine, what that tells me is that you're doing high volumes on margaritas, which means you have a use for a lot of OJ. If if you can purpose your OJ into it, you know what I mean. You're, you're, you're probably going to get good use, and you can put a relatively large amount of OJ into a margarita to good effect because, like I said, orange is already one of the flavors that's in there. Right, so that's the direction you would go is do lime acid OJ uh, and then make your mixture on that and balance it on day old uh, juice. Yeah, or like I say, try a cordial, see whether see whether you like it. Um, but yeah, I would, I would yeah I would, I would go that route. And by the way, sure. like uh, what I would do is uh, you know just to save yourself some uh, time and headache, I would I would do like two drink versions of all the different batches you want to try. Throw them in Ziplocs and then throw them in your freezer. Uh, and then just kind of rough them up to taste them. It'll give you a good approximation for what your slushy machine will do, uh, but you won't have to fill an entire slushy machine to do it. Okay. Uh, would you do like a dead rabbit where they do the oleo and then sugar and juice? We'll say that again? But the way that Dead Rabbit does their uh, cordial where they do uh, an oleo with the lime and then they do the juice and do it that way? Or would you do a different... Cordial. I mean, like, like I'm real. Uh, look, we have a lot of clarified lime juice left over. So when I do a cordial, I want it to be dead clear, like roses. So right. like, I don't necessarily do it as like I would do it if I was going to have a cloudy cordial from the ground up. So for me, it's I just do clarified lime juice, uh, sugar, and uh, lime peel. Uh, so I don't make an oleo, and I don't extract any of that extra stuff from it. And um, you know, I just get a little extra punch out of the, out of the lime peel, but. You definitely don't want to use clarified lime juice for this application. So I don't know, like, you know, uh, you know, taste the dead rabbits, and if it's, that's a flavor profile you want, then do it. Otherwise, just boil some freaking lime juice with some sugar and, and some lime peel in it as a first approximation and see which one you like better. You know what I mean? Uh, look, we have, we have a tons of leftover lime juice, so, and I'm sure you do too. So taking a little bit of that and just, you know, boiling it with some sugar and seeing whether you like it is like, you know, no-brainer. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Good luck. What if I just play everybody out with an 808 beat today? Right? Hey, I have to say thanks to Nastasia who got me an early birthday present, which is a DJ cheese grater. It's a cheese grater that looks like a turntable. You want to see it? Yeah, I do. Uh. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh. You're killing me because I need the bass line to come in. Jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. It's just drums today. We'll get there. All right. I'm I'm, like, let me see something here. Uh, mm. So. You actually wouldn't kill yourself here. You could like just get rid of some like you could use it for your feet. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> your feet. You could use it for your feet. Yeah. Jack, that's the beginning of Southern Playlistic, right? Cadillac funky music. Oh, it's a bit yeah. similar. I think so. Yeah. Nice. It's one of those YouTube videos. It's like, you know. All right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, but this wasn't that wasn't my that's not like that's not like my growing up sound. It's the prior stuff's my yeah, growing yeah, yeah. up sound. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so back to where we were. We were talking about Alex and Cooks Illustrated and uh, their their cast iron. So I looked up on Cooks Illustrated's uh, website, and uh, by the way, Peter, because he's a, a francophile, he likes him these kinds of black steel pans, right? It's not because I'm a francophile. I just I like I like my egg pan a lot. Oh, it's great you know, for eggs. That's why I, for me the main thing is really it's like the weights, right? And you know, cast iron is great for getting a good sear on, right? But, like, I don't want to be flipping around a really heavy cast iron pan to make my sunny side up eggs. So you're weak. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Uh, oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah. 
yeah. that is well, tough in the you're morning. Gonna use, you're going to yeah. use a freaking cast iron pan to make your... And you the, don't, the, you have your morning Okay, pans. you know what I have? I have, because they're incredibly cheap. I have, you know, the fajita, the sizzles, the sizzle plates, like the uh, oblong, mm-hmm. like, uh, yes. cast iron things. I have, like, six of those sitting right next to my stone bowls, and they seem a whole lot lighter than my Korean stone bowls do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, I drop them on the... On the, uh, on the on my range, and then, you know, boom, I'm off to the races. A week. Yeah, just weak. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, there's no way around it. Just weak. No, look, if you're making an omelet, you're going to be, like, moving the pan around. You don't want to have to deal with something super bulky. No, I think so, they make great omelet pans. Yeah, if, that's, if that's fact, my primary use for it. Yeah, I mean, fantastic omelet pans. And, you know, uh, for most people, I think uh, omelets in cast iron can be difficult because it takes a long time for the heat to spread out evenly. Um, yeah. So yeah, but anyway, let's get back to what uh, what Cooks Illustrated specifically said about black steel, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll have discussions about it. Okay, uh, in in their opinion, it sears like cast iron. A carbon steel skillet can brown food just as deeply and evenly as cast iron. It also has two advantages: it heats up more quickly, and its lighter weight makes it easier to handle. What we have here is an oxymoronic statement. Yeah, the the two things don't go together. Yeah, yeah, that's like saying like that's like saying you know the sky is blue, but really it's not blue at all. Like you can't you can't like it's just the the two phrases don't fit. It doesn't sear as well as cast iron, but it heats up more more quickly. Yeah, it's like when yeah. Spock said, "I'm a liar." Well, Epimenides, I guess, not really Spock. Yeah. You know, I'm a liar. I'm yeah. lying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. It's a contradiction. Yeah. Uh, a carbon steel skillet cannot brown food as uh, as deeply for a given I- uh, initial heat input. It's it's not the case. You know what I mean? It's like, and the reason is going back to one of the purported advantages. It's lighter and heats up more quickly, right? The fact that it is lighter and heats up more quickly means it is not storing as much heat, right? Because it heated up more quickly, therefore. It didn't store as much heat before it delivered it to your food. Otherwise, it wouldn't have heated it more. And, and it weighs less, so it's not storing as much energy, especially because they are fundamentally similar in their heat storage properties. Now, the carbon steel is a lot better heat conductor, right, which is why it's going to be more, more even for a given level of quick overheating, right? But if you really want to sear the ever-loving crap out of something, right, nothing beats – uh, keeping your cast iron pans in a uh, hot oven where it gets incredibly even heat and the whole thing turns into like a searing machine, then throwing it on top of a burner for residual heat and throwing meat in it. Just you can't beat that. You know what I mean? And um, not that people necessarily go through that trouble. And I think that if you were searing meat, I think also a lot depends on the burners that you have, right? So, you know, I have – my burners at home are r- ridiculous. I mean, they're, in fact, they're not safe. It's not my fault because – it's because, uh, my, you know, my wife said, you know, you're too old for this crap. We're going to hire a plumber. The plumber didn't install it properly, didn't put the proper regulator on my oven. And so my, my burners now are very hard to use on low, but they put out 8 bazillion BTUs. You see my they burners. They have a mind of their own. They're crazy. They go yeah. up and down. But when they're on scream, they scream. Like I yeah. can run a walk like a professional restaurant can because they're so freaking like powerful, mm-hmm. too powerful uh, for most applications except for walk. Um, which I like. I like it to walk. But the uh, – where was I going with this? So the point is if you have a tiny burner, right, I would prefer to have a pan that heated kind of quickly and more evenly because you just don't have enough power to really get anything up to the temperatures that I'm going to want to do that kind of work, in which case maybe you should consider getting a cast iron and throwing it in your oven and heating it uh, beforehand up to a hot temperature so you can sear. Yeah? 
Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we've already seen the very first thing. No offense to Cook's Illustrated because, you know, the magazine in 1993 when it first came out was like like changed my life, yeah. like honestly. Um, yeah, for me it's primarily weight, heat retention, and then the smoothness of the surface. Yeah. Well, their, their next uh, point uh, about the uh, black steel is performs like stainless uh, triply, which let's just call it. All clad. Let's just say all clad. Like and all clad similar devices, right? Uh, they say carbon steel heats virtually as evenly as stainless steel triply, uh, aluminum sandwich between stainless, but can brown more deeply. Our winner costs one third of the price of our favorite triply skillet from all clad. Right. So it costs less than all clad, but um, I don't really think it's going to heat as as evenly. I've done many studies, but I haven't done it for years. But I've done many studies of different pans over different heat sources. And I think, again, a lot of this depends on your uh, burner. So in particular, induction burners, like most home crappy induction burners, where they fall flat is the fact that the actual heating element is quite small. So what you should do to any one of your pans, or if you can test them, is uh, you know McGee uses beans and paper. I use a light dusting of flour and I put it on the hob and I wait to see what the burn pattern is on on the thing and you can see very clearly how even or not even a particular uh, kind of heat transfer um, heat transfer uh, pattern is but I mean I just I like they say virtually carbon steel heats virtually as evenly what does that even mean virtually as evenly means not Right it means almost as good. Anyway, as slick as nonstick. Carbon steel is as slippery as bl- brand new nonstick, but it sears better. It doesn't have a synthetic coating. Well, it does have. It's not synthetic, but it has a coating of polymerized oil. So you mean there is in fact a coating on black steel pans because if there wasn't, it wouldn't be nonstick. Steel, as it comes from the factory, is not in fact nonstick. You have to season it. Uh, has no uh, oven safe temperature limits. Also not true. If you stick it in the oven and you put the oven on uh, self-clean, you'll ruin the seasoning on it and have to do it again. In fact, if you've poorly seasoned a pan, the best way to fix it is to throw it in the oven on self-clean where it gets wiped off. What they mean is no reasonable limits. I think that's what they mean, no reasonable limits, uh, and last forever. That's true. Here are the problems with uh, – the only problems – if you go into a professional restaurant and you see the black steel, if it's treated poorly, a lot of times um, because they are thinner than cast iron – here's where they don't work as well as cast iron. Uh, because they're thinner, if you uh, viciously overheat them, they warp in the center. So like a cast iron pan uh, – I mean so a cast iron pan is never going to warp, right? Also, they, they talk about how cast iron is a problem because it's brittle. Have you ever seen a cast iron pan break in normal service? Nope. No. At home? No. I've seen cast iron burner spiders break all the time. So I prefer steel spiders on on an oven. Uh, You know what I'm talking about, the burner covers? You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I prefer them every day. But uh, I don't know. Like I just see them as different. I think if you're going to make omelets, buy you you an omelet pan that's made of black steel. It's awesome. I'm going to also go out on a limb here and say that like – did I ever mention Jeffrey Steingarten? You know, he always used to say he's like, uh, knives are 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 like puppies, right? You, like they're always good when they're new, right? <laughs> like it's like it's like how well it works, like after you've had it for a while, like you know, does it resharpen? Does it stop pooping on your floor? You know, stuff like this, right? And I'm going to extend this out to uh, nonstick skillets, right? So nonstick skillets, like when you first get them, you're like, it's awesome, and then the manufacturer tells you, yeah, you know, you know how like. Everyone else's nonstick stuff like is going to wear off over time. Ours isn't. 
Yeah. They're like everyone else. Is like you know how everyone else says you can use metal uh, tools, but you really can't. Well, in ours you can. Or yeah. you know how yes. everyone else says that you can't dishwash it. This but is a new voice, Dave. Yeah, yeah, nice product yeah. spokesman voice. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, really yeah, new yeah. voice. Yeah. Anyway, it's never true. Like like yeah. they they always they they they're always the crap out. They're yeah. the worst. They're worst. Yeah. And they're like they're like puppies. They're great when you get them, and then they turn to crap. Yeah. And so you know, I would say that like in general, I unless someone comes up with a nonstick that really freaking works. Right, I'm not going to buy them anymore. Yeah. And the next time I need a nonstick pan, I will probably go out and buy a black steel pan. Yeah. Um, it's because those, I mean, those those Teflon things are nonsense. Now, another thing, a black steel is never going to be as good at generating. Uh, give me your give me your Cameroonian French for phone uh, for phone no, no, phone. No, no, give it to me no. phone. Le phone. Le phone. No. Le fond, the crusty <laughs> stuff at the bottom. There's one with one syllable. There's not a lot of room for accents, Steve. <laughs> no. Yeah, you can because you have to add all the burbling crap beforehand. <laughs> oh, like, do you, you want do you, do, do you want the phone? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, my point being that like uh, nonstick is not good when you want to develop like some crusties, right? So yeah. if you want to emulate a, ro- this is why you don't use nonstick like roasting pans. It don't make sense. You know what I mean? So like, if you're going to generate crusties, then I would say you know use your uh, use your your all clads, you know, or your triplies. One thing I'll say is that uh, I got some bum advice from the interwebs on how to season my. Black steel pan. No, let's talk using about it. Flaxseed oil. It was a total disaster. <laughs> oh man, flaxseed oil should like the so the theory of flaxseed oil is that uh, it's a drying oil and therefore you flax same as linseed, right? Uh, I don't know. Isn't it? Isn't flax the same as linseed? I have no idea. Anyways, it's a drying oil, so it gets like uh, it stickies up faster than uh, other oils. That's probably that's it's used in if flaxseed oil. And this, by the way, I hadn't even looked this up in a million years. But if flaxseed oil is linseed oil, it's the oil used. Uh, it's the drying oil used in oil paints. Am I right on this? Can someone Google this crap? Google seems to suggest that they're the same thing. Yeah, right. uh, Estaz is like my hands are too cold. I can't even pick up my phone. Uh, it's not even cold outside today. I mean, it is, I guess. It is relative. Anyway, uh, point being that uh, so what happened? It gummed up and was a nightmare. Yeah, well then the ba- the main thing. No, it was actually great at first, but then it uh, starts flaking off. Yeah, if you in big if, flakes. If you imp- ooh, if you yeah. improperly season uh, and you get these layers that can separate and it's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is why everyone like you know. So what was the advice? How did they say to do it? Well, so there's there's you can look this up online. It's a it's a well visited site, and this woman gives this very long account on the science behind seasoning pans. It's very convincing, and she suggests using flaxseed oil. And I, I followed her advice and screwed up my pen. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that in my life, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many pans I've seasoned, but, you know, dozens, many dozens, you know what I mean? And um, uh, I have never purchased in my life a special anything to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I always do it like uh, – and. Like in one of two ways, either like on the burner or in the oven. I think one of the main issues that people have is over oiling, trying to get it all done at once. So like, you know, get a rag and, uh, you know, soak the rag in oil, do the, the wipe, let it sit, wipe it out, let it, let it polymerize and do it again and again and again. And I've, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've ruined one. I've ruined the initial work. Uh, the initial seasoning I did went too thick on a crepe maker that I bought like 15, 16 years ago uh, because 
when you buy a crepe maker, the real ones, the crampus ones, they've actually machined a spiral snail-like groove all the way around the um, thing that's supposed to build up an oil coating over time because crepe makers have to be incredibly nonstick. And I tried to do it too fast. And so I got flakies that never kind of went away. It still works, but it's like a little unsatisfying because you get those little divots and pits in the uh, the nonstick. It still works. Uh, But yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine just came. He's like, I messed up my wok. I over-seasoned it. Now it's got big, you know, I tried to season it with too much oil at once, and it's got big drips in the bottom of the pan. He's like, what should I do? I was like, you're SOL. This is why, by the way, if you're buying something that needs to get seasoned, don't buy one that has a handle on it that can't go in the oven because by far and away the easiest way to start from scratch is to just burn off the old seasoning, and you can't do it. Uh, you shouldn't do it with a torch or anything that's uneven unless it's like a cast iron and you can't do it if there's a wooden handle on it you can't take off you can't throw it in the oven and put it on self clean if it's got a wooden handle like dirt you know what I mean hey I got some clarification on flaxseed and linseed from uh, Joel Staub in the chat room shoot it so they're both extracted from seeds of the plant linum Usitasimu, I can't say that word. Anyway, flaxseed oil is pure and fit for human consumption. Linseed oil goes through a refinement process and may contain additives that improve its paint cleaning properties. Mm. So don't cook with linseed oil, but cook with flaxseed oil. that way. Uh, All right, nice. Thank you. All right, so should we take a commercial break and come back with it? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice, and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Fire Cider added whole raw certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. All right, we are back. Hey, uh, so Jack, have we ever tasted this stuff? Uh, No. I want to try some. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Taste what? I'll tell you something. My grandma... Never told me anything about apple cider vinegar. She was just like, why don't you go work? Why don't you do some work? Why don't you get... Yeah, same. Do, do some freaking chores. How That's come I didn't have a grandma that gave me apple cider vinegar? No, my grandma was like, you know, why aren't you... If you can sit... Like, my grandma... Well, one of my two grandmas absolutely hated the act of reading. And it was like one of my favorite things to do is like read and like learn. And she... The, the thing she could stand on earth least was seeing people trying to learn. And so she would, you know, anytime you try to – mom? Yeah. Anytime you try to sit down with a book, she would like just – and my grandpa, one of the reasons he was bitter until the day he died was that uh, he he also loved to read and, and grandma would never, ever, ever, ever let him read. If he had only lived long enough for, like, you know, Audible to exist, that he could just listen to that stuff while he was toiling away in the freaking, uh, in the freaking yard for no apparent reason. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. 
Like, you know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. You know, anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, anyway, my, my grandma, not apple cider, uh, and my other grandma was from West Virginia. So, you know, it was more oh, like. Oh, really? Yeah, it was more like. You know uh, yeah, so it was more like uh, have some uh, country ham and some, uh, and some lard. You know what I mean? That was the kind of cure-all, country ham and lard. Uh, although, you know, they didn't have a lot of lard in the, you know, when I was hanging out with her in the 70s, 80s, that was already kind of day-class day. But we did have a lot of country ham, uh, and she did enjoy herself some uh, red-eye gravy, which is delicious. Mm. Okay. Uh, and we have a, a note from Ben from last week saying, It's lutefisk season in Minnesota. I remember Dave mentioning the slimy fish dish once on Cooking Issues. And uh, and he's pointing out to us that we can go to uh, CBS Minnesota did a Finding Minnesota Taste of Lutefisk. So I'm going to go look that up and see what that – you like Lutefisk? Did you like that when we made it before? I don't we remember did, it. Yeah. We didn't actually make the Lutefisk. What we did is we made uh, we made the lye eggs, remember? And then we served it with regular fish and it was kind of – with Nils. It was kind of a Lutefisk turned on its kind of head. You know what I mean? But it's like lye-treated – basic treated fish speaking of which if there is anyone who can hear my voice who's an expert on clearing and staining remember clearing and staining we try to get someone to do that yes. so in clearing and staining what you do is you use a base uh, base uh, i believe well just much like the one in the 808 only this one's more potassium hydroxide and you soak um something like a fish in this base it like kind of like messes with the proteins you can leach out all of the color and everything in in something like a fish right and then you introduce stains to it and you can selectively by using different uh like stains that are used also like in slides you can have like the nervous system suck up a certain color and the skeletal system suck up another and then leach it back out of the muscular tissues and you have these amazing 3D like fish and other animals. There's a book on it, but wouldn't you love to be able to clear and stain something big like a whole striper so that you could just see all the structure of the striper? That'd be pretty baller, right? That'd be dope. Maybe for the museum. So if there's anyone yeah. out there who knows how to clear and stain, now typically they don't do it on such large th- large things, which is why all the pictures are small fish and frogs. But if someone wants to take on clearing and staining or knows someone that can help us out with large clearing and staining, that'd be sweet. That'd be great. Sweet. Oh, by the way, Dave, speaking of bases, you've got your – want to plug your program coming up at the museum on February 4. You're yeah. doing with Johnny Hunter. Nice. I love Johnny Hunter. acids and bases. And what science. am I doing? You're doing bases. He's doing, doing acids. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So. So, so, yeah, on programs.mofad.org, February 4, come see Dave. How much is it? It's 45 bucks. 45 bucks? Yeah. What do they get? Tastings, what? drinks. Yeah? Most bang. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So what, do we know what Johnny's going to make? I don't know. I, we've got it down somewhere. It's on the website. Johnny, Johnny, our good friend from Madtown. Yeah, yeah, underground meets. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. We don't know what we're gonna, we don't know what he's going to do. He's going to uh, do something awesome. He always does yeah, something awesome. yeah, it's going to be good. Do we know what I'm going to do? Mm, you know, probably what you're not till the morning up. <laughs> it's going to be good, something, people. Something mad basic, yo. It's going to be good. I'm going to maybe I'll bring my nixtamatic. Maybe we'll do some nixtamalization. Oh, hey, Patrick. No, that's not. That's not. <laughs> that's uh, bordering on that. That's not Patrick. <laughs> Peter, you're the only guy who's allowed to imitate Patrick on the on the network. That's you know. Okay. Hello, Dave and crew. Longtime listener and fan. I'll cut straight to the chase. My, chase. My fiance and I are planning a wedding this coming fall or perhaps summer, uh, and uh, are on a fairly limited budget. We've already identified numerous cost-cutting measures, but remain a fair amount above our goal. While I am not suggesting that we personally prepare a full food and beverage program for 140 people, I was curious if it might be possible to make a meaningful dent in the total cost. I have a fair amount of equipment I've picked up at auctions over the years listed below, and power shouldn't be an issue. So let's see what they got here. They got – this is John, by the way, in in, uh, Portland. Uh, Three circulators. Did I say circulator? 
Circulator. Circulator. Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine? Maine. Maine. Come on. Uh, uh, I don't know why I say come on. But like, I don't know. I don't know why I say come on. (laughs) I don't know. Portland, Maine. It's Portland, Maine. Because uh, Maine was in my head. That's why I say, come on. Uh, three circulators, one Randell FX uh, fridge freezer, one VacMaster VP112, one 20-pound CO2 tank with regulator, one PacoJet. Man, there's a high rent. You're like, ah, I got like a 20-pound like CO2 tank uh, Yep, and a PacoJet. It's like, boom, PacoJet. You know what I'm saying? PacoJet. I would love to have a Paco Jet. Uh, one Searsall, not yet, but soon. One Grindmaster 875 coffee grinder, although I don't know if you're going to use that. At least they're going to make a lot of coffee. Yeah, like, isn't there a coffee course? Coffee course? Coffee time. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, but like, but, but that's, you know, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, you still need to brew the coffee for everything unless you're going to do like some sort of weird, anyway. Uh, two Vitamixes and like a bunch of Weber charcoal grills. Well, yeah, I mean, you're in good shape on equipment there, except for, like, you're pretty low on, well, I guess if you do everything on Weber, hot side, I see your point. Anyway, we have a good uh, number of volunteers who would be able to assist with prep. However, we personally would want to handle the serving and set up on the actual wedding day. I realize this is a potentially disastrous idea. I almost didn't bother asking, but I have the nagging feeling it might be possible to sous vide a good amount of food beforehand and simply reheat it before and during the ceremony or batch some cocktails the day before. Or not? No! <laughs> no! What the hell? No, dude! God. John, don't do it, How brother! Does your don't do it, man. Feel? Just get married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus! It's not going to turn out. No. That Tim, Tim in the chat room has an answer to saving money. Right. Stop buying Paco jets. Whoa! <laughs> Snap! <laughs> Bang! <laughs> boom! Boom! Look, here's my point. Right? Uh, do not. Do not cook at your wedding. No. Don't. No. Now, d- listen, here's the other thing. I'm going to tell you this right now. Is like, is that it, everything, everything is going to depend on a few decisions that you're about to make in your life, right? Now, I mean, in terms of the wedding, not in terms of life in general. Once you fall into the wedding trap, like, you are, you are hosed. You are, you are completely, you are hosed, right? So, like, the question is how far do you fall in? Here's where you're wrong. You're thinking... Uh, I've thrown parties for large groups of people so I can just throw this like I'm throwing a party. But remember, the last time you threw a party where you cooked, the best part about that was you didn't have to interact with your guests. (laughs) That's why cooks like to throw parties because they can have lots of people around but they don't have to interact with them. They can sit around cooking and have marginal interactions like, hey, hey, how's the food? Oh, great. Bye. See ya. You know what I mean? And then just get get back to their kitchens and cook, right? I mean, that's like, even in an open kitchen situation, when you're sitting there sweating a bunch of pans and flicking around no one expects more than a five second response from you at best yeah. it's genius for someone who's a kind of a social moron you know what i mean you get to look social and not be at a wedding you actually need to be social i'm sorry well, clearly he doesn't want to be doesn't matter doesn't matter it's not mm. about you the yeah, wedding people are flying in you, you think yeah. the wedding's Oof. about you but it's not right so here's the thing it's about your family coming in oh, like man. you're gonna have to spend time going from table to table even if you married. don't have it uh, it's not a it's, look, like, but don't. Fall, the other thing is, is that you're not even going to have time to think about food if you fall into all the traps. Like, I got to get this. First of all, you're going to have some some form of like, you know, man of matron of honor of people, honor guard, whatever the honor roll, whatever they call the, the, the honor the, roll, whatever they call these people nowadays who are standing there up on the stage with you. They're going to have to do a bunch of bull crap, right? Like right before the wedding, there's all these little gotsies that you have to freaking do to get married. Like, I got to get this thing. I got. 
got to have this old thing, this borrowed thing, this new thing, this blue thing. All this crud is going to conspire to make it very difficult for you to focus on the fact that you need to crank out a dinner for 140 people and it needs to be good, right? Because your your mom or whatever, you know, is flying in, you know, your crazy uncle Ralph from Jersey's flying in. Uncle like, Diamond. Uncle Diamond, he was dead by, by the time I got married, but yeah, I mean Uncle Diamond could be coming in. You Dave's keep... not speaking from experience <laughs> here at all. You have to this keep... is all theoretical. Look, look, I had enough problems. I made my cake stand because I was like I'll be damned if I'm going to buy a cake stand for my wedding. So I was welding my cake stand like a couple days before the wedding and also underneath the uh, the 67 uh, Valiant that we drove to the wedding in, like making sure that it wouldn't break down between the church and, and, and uh, you know, my uncle's house where the reception was. But even that was like a little bit of a stretch. Look, if you can pre-batch your cocktails a week in advance, a week in advance, and you have someone you trust who for some reason was not invited to the wedding and yet you trust them enough to make cocktails for you without pay, then imagine that. Imagine finding someone that you would trust to make the cocktails at your wedding that is not invited. Have them do the cliff old fashioned. Right. But I'm saying you still need someone to do it for yeah, you. Yeah. Right? Because don't make the cocktails. But if you can make them a week in advance, yeah, I can give you some recipes that are easy to bust out in like large fashion to go around. But also, here's a secret. Everyone wants champagne at the freaking wedding. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just pour a lot of freaking champagne, have some cocktails beforehand. Look, when I got married, like like we we, we went super cheap. One of the ways we went super cheap was we did uh, brunch instead of uh, dinner because you can put on a decent brunch a lot cheaper than you could put on a decent dinner. People don't get as hosed. Even my friends don't get as hosed, and you just pour like an unbelievable amount of kava, and everybody's everybody's happy. You know, if you have some form of bubbly, pretty much everyone's going to be happy. And then it's just a question of getting it all uh, iced down, and you can just keep eyes on it to make sure it's right. Um, and as to whether or not to do sous vide and finishing, yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate way to do it. But don't do it yourself. Don't do it yourself. Don't do anything that requires you to spend a lot of time that you can't finish more than a week before your wedding. That's my. That's Save my money and make a great playlist, and maybe skip the DJ if you're that strapped. Oh. Jack telling people to skip the DJ, huh? Well, you know, they get expensive. Wedding DJs are expensive. I know this. Hmm. Because I secretly wish I was one. Hmm. By the way, John also seconds uh, having some sort of transcripts for uh, the the cooking issues. I'm being told that we're being ripped off the air. However, I do have something next week for uh, trying to get around uh, uh, cooking detectors, right? So, you know, we all know that we hate uh, smoke detectors, but we also hate dying in conflagrations. So we have a question about that, which I'll deal with uh, next time. And I guess that's it. I'm not in next week, so uh, you'll have Liz. I'll be in New Orleans really drunk. What? Yep. Sorry. Oh my God! We're gonna have a week without molecules. <laughs> a show with no molecules. Oh. What will you do? Frowning face cooking issues. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.